Hallelujah. Praise God. I, as I was uh, studying this, I believe that probably the two best scriptures to pray uh, uh, so that we're not deceived is the Pauline prayers, is two of the Pauline prayers. And I already prayed those tonight, but I'll read Ephesians 1 verse 17. And we pray this, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto us the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him, the eyes of our understanding being enlightened, that we might know what is the hope of His calling and what the riches of the glory of His inheritance in the saints and what is the exceeding greatness of His power to us who to believe according to the working of His mighty power. So certainly that is a great uh, prevention of deception scripture to pray over yourself. That we would just know truth. I mean, if you know truth, you're not going to be deceived. Colossians 1 9 being the other one that says, uh, For this cause we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to desire that ye might be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. And so those are two scriptures to pray over yourselves. And not only will they increase in you in the area of revelation and open up the riches of His glory and the, those wonderful truths of the Word of God, you'll have more light than you've ever had before. But then even in having that light, there is a prevention of deception. Amen? Now, we're not to be afraid of deception. God never intended us to be afraid. Hallelujah. Even of deception, something as horrible as deception, God did not intend for us to be fearful of that. And the renewed mind is our safeguard. Hallelujah. That is how we safeguard ourselves. And we, it's not a one-time thing. You can't renew your mind in one day. You cannot renew your mind and say, I'm through. If Even if you do it for 10 years, you can't say, I'm through. It's, a, it's an ongoing thing for all of your life, for the rest of your life, until you go to heaven. Hallelujah. You're, not, you're in the process of renewing your mind. Praise God. Romans 12, 2 talks about that. And this is our safeguard. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So if we're able to prove the good, acceptable, and perfect will of God, we'll never be deceived, will we? Hallelujah. So that's a safeguard to us. We need to be spiritually taught. Brother Hagin always said this. We need to be spiritually taught, not religiously brainwashed. A lot of people don't have a clue what they believe or why they believe it. And we should not only know what we believe, but know why. In other words, be able to back it up with Scripture. And uh, uh, we need a strong foundation of spiritual principles in order to not be deceived. The print, not just knowing the Word of God, but knowing the principles of the Word of God. Ephesians 2.20 says we're to be built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. And so having a strong foundation of the principles will cause us not to be easily moved, not to be deceived. And then also having Hebrews 5.14, if you'd turn there. Thank you, Lord. Hebrews 5, 14 says, But strong meat belongeth to them that are of full age. That'd be mature, wouldn't it? Even those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. So as we grow in Christ, we practice and learn to discern and use our senses so that our senses are trained to pick up on what's right and what's not right immediately. 
We also need spiritual leaders, and we need to listen to our spiritual leaders. So many people don't. And when a spiritual leader says something's not good, we shouldn't have the attitude of, oh, well, they're just preachers. Or, oh, they're just overreacting, you know, because preachers don't like you to do that. Or, you know, and I've heard those things, and you have too. I believe the church has been too soft on sin, too soft on bad doctrine, too soft on the demonic influence. And that's why we've let all these perverted things come into the world. And we have all these horrible movies. And we have all these horrible books that are bestsellers. And we have all this, uh, uh, all this bad stuff in our political system, our government. And we've just been too soft. We have just been asleep at the wheel and we've just let things go. Uh, and preachers are guilty of, uh, of not standing up for truth because, well, somebody might leave or the money finances might go down if I uh, take a stand and I'm, uh, uh, and I'm offensive about this. But we, need to be, we don't need to be soft on sin. Hallelujah. Or soft on bad doctrine. If it's bad, we need to say it. We need to get up and say it. Send uh, Jack Van Impey an offering. He stood up on TBN and said, This Chrislam stuff is wrong. They took him off of TBN. Jan and Paul Crouch took him off of TBN. He's been on there 23 years because he took a stand against Chrislam and the mixing of Christianity and Islam. He, he got took off. Praise God. Lord bless him. Hallelujah. And I've never been a big Jack Van Impey watcher, but I appreciate that he stood up against it. And I'm not going to be afraid in this church, and pastor's not going to be afraid. And we need to stand up in these elections and say what's right and what's not right and call a spade a spade and a cow a cow. And, a, and you know, we need to say it. Hallelujah. We may be the only place in town, but that's why we're here. Because nobody else would or we wouldn't be here. That's the truth, and, and uh, hallelujah. Let's go to, uh, you know, uh, Proverbs 29, 25, and this is, I won't make you go there after all, but uh, this is why people don't, we've let stuff slip in, is because the fear of man, and the fear of man bringeth a snare, or we could say it brings deception, couldn't we? But whoso putteth his trust in the Lord shall be safe. Hallelujah. Praise God that there are men and women in this earth standing up and writing books and hallelujah. Some of them have to have armed guards and security and all sorts of stuff. Glenn Beck, I mean, they have to, he has to have security round the clock for him and his family because he had the guts to stand up against the liberal media. Hallelujah. I don't know if you know anything about him, but he stood up. He's standing up for Israel right now, being a friend to Israel. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. And uh, they hate him. They, and I'm telling you, there's never been. They are gnashing their teeth at him. I mean, and that's what the Bible talks about. Oh, hallelujah. Praise God. But we're going to stand up here. If it makes us uncomfortable, we'll be uncomfortable. You know, we're having to believe God anyway. We might as well just go for it. It's not like we're living a cushy life and, and, and we're, it's just like not having to believe God. It's like, well, if you have to believe God, you might as well just believe Him. Hallelujah. So there's many kinds of deception, not just one kind. And I want to give you about three kinds, and that's probably not all of them, but just what the Lord gave me. And, you know, I can't teach for 16 years on this, so He just gives me what we can fit into, you know, this time slot. 
we have, a, we have deception that's pertaining to the Word of God. And I think there's three levels of deception pertaining to the Word of God. And the first one's the worst, and it's what we call heresy. And uh, so sometimes we may call something heresy that's really not. But what heresy is, is an opinion, doctrine, or practice contrary to the truth or to generally accepted beliefs or standards. Co opinion or doctrine pra or practice contrary to the truth or to generally accepted beliefs or standards. An example of heresy would be that there's another way to salvation besides Jesus Christ and Him crucified and resurrected. That is heresy. Salvation can be obtained some other way than by faith and faith alone. That would be heresy. That is heresy. That you can get saved by any other method except faith and faith alone. Denial of the virgin birth is heresy. The denial of the shed blood of Jesus Christ. Denial that Jesus is deity. That all is heresy. Evolution is heresy versus creationism. You were made from swamp gas and you evolved from a cricket to a human being. Hallelujah. You better watch it. You're going the other way. You're fixing to be a cricket. No, I, I believe in evolution all right I, because I see it in the Bible. Uh, what was his name? Nebuchadnezzar. He went from being a human rational thought to being an animal growing hair and eating grass. That is reverse evolution, and I believe in it. Better watch it. Hallelujah. Islam and its teachings are heresy. Absolutely. Absolute heresy. Hallelujah. And the, one of the difference, and of course Buddhism is heresy, and Hindu is heresy, all of those are heresy, but the difference between Islam and Buddhism and Hindu, there are many Hindus in America, there are many Buddhists in America, and there's many, there's six to eight million Islamic, Islam, is Muslims in America that uh, believe in Islam. The difference and what makes Islam so bad and so horrible is they want to take over America. Hindus just want to do their thing. Buddhists just want to do their thing. Harry Krishnas just want to do their thing. Reverend Moon and you know all that. They're not trying to take over America. But Islamics, Islams have an agenda. They want to take over America. It's in their teachings. It's in their writings. Uh, it's it's common, commonly known. Those things are in the Quran and in the... Uh, those teachings, and they want to take over America. They want, uh, they want uh, America to be a Muslim nation. And our president said earlier, uh, he, when he was first in office, that we were a Muslim nation, and that is not true. There's only six to eight million uh, Muslims in America, and we are not Muslim. We are Christian. Hallelujah. And we are going to be saying it if they put us on a cross and burn us for saying it. I mean, we've got to get ready for some tough stuff. Hallelujah. Okay. Then there's another kind of deception of the Word of God, which I call false doctrine. And it's not as bad as heresy. It's still bad, but it's not as bad as heresy. And false doctrine is just anything false or against Scripture. So uh, it is, and really false doctrine is significantly life-altering it's, it's altering the Word of God to the point where it becomes life-altering to you. One, one example of what I would call false doctrine is healing passed away with the last apostle. That is false doctrine. 
Tongues are of the devil. That is false doctrine, born in our own heresy. I mean, we're not to insult the Holy Ghost, are we? And then there's another level of, of heresy where the Word of God is concerned, which I just call diluted truth. And that's where you're preaching a gospel that's just so flat watered down and traditions of men and really don't never say nothing. You just, you know, it's just hemming and hawing and poems and Reader's Digest and, and just, you know, weakness. It just produces weakness and lukewarmness in the body of Christ. Nothing's ever required of anybody. Nobody ever speaks up and takes a stand. Everybody just lets all get along. Hallelujah. That'd be what I'd call diluted truth, which is a form of deception. To think that's okay is deception right there. And then there's another type of deception, not having to do with the Word of God, but pertaining, well, it does have to do with the Word of God, but it's more like, it's more, it's not towards doctrine. And there's a deception that pertains to how, the way we live our lives. Um, and under this is be excuses for not keeping and doing the Word of God. If we are making excuses for ourselves for not doing the Word of God, that is a form of deception. Having, I've known people before that they had a personal exemption. For not doing the word of God. That's deception. Well, I tithe to my son who's going to TCU. We had one of those. They had a personal exception in our church in West Texas. That was that they had made their own personal exception. And a lot of people do that. Um, another thing concerning the way we live in deception is having the thinking that God understands my special situation. Versus just, you know, most, you know what we have to do and what we've all had to do, you've had to do it, I've had to do it, is just buckle down and choose to do the Word of God and conform to the Word of God. And it's like, this may hurt, it may sting, it's not pleasant, it's not, but, but I'm going to do the Word of God. Hallelujah. And then another area in this is, a sin, is sin and having a false belief that I'm getting by with it. A lot of people uh, just kind of convince themselves, I know this is sin kind of attitude, but I, I, don't, I really don't think it's going to cost me. Or I know I'll pay for this, but I'm just, you know, I just have to. That's deception. Man, you know what one man say, I don't even know who said this, but it said uh, sin always takes us further than we want to go, costs more than we want to pay, and, there's, and stays longer than we want to stay. And it does. It stays forever. You know, just you just go on TV and watch Dr. Phil. If you want to just watch for one day and see people just with problems from getting into sin and messing their whole life up, and it just won't go away. Even when you repent, a lot of times you just are still just dealing with it and dealing with it and dealing with it and, and all the little children that it manufacturers and stuff or the fruit is really what I'm saying uh, and then another thing under deception pertaining to the way we live is an inability to see the spirits behind actions or objects we're deceived when we can't see what's behind something you know there are spirits behind every movie we need to discern what's the spirit behind this and sometimes, oh, no, that's not bad. You know, Harry Potter, there's not nothing wrong with that. That's deception. Just refusing and not... Some people have been told and taught, and they still refuse to see. 
That's really, that, that's what you call uh, double ignorant de deception. I just made that up just then. <laughs> double ignorant deception. Hallelujah. You can't, you know, or what did our friend Scott that went on to be with the Lord, he used to say it, uh, call it supernatural ignorance. He used to say supernatural ignorance is being ignorant, is so ignorant you can't get there by yourself. You've got to have the devil help you get there. Some people are just ignorant, and then some people have a supernatural, devil, demonic ignorance, you know. And uh, Luke 9, 55, Jesus said to, remember the, the uh, I think it was John and somebody. I don't remember who. Anyway, they said, Let's, let us call fire down from heaven. And he said to them, he turned, he said, you know not what spirit ye are of. They didn't see the spirit behind what they were wanting to do. And we sometimes we don't see the spirit behind what we're doing when we are in strife or when we are, and it's like, man, if we, if we would just open our eyes and see the spirit behind it, we'd just leave all that behind. And, you know, books and movies, and we need to be alert and see the spirit behind situations. Um, and then under pertaining to the way we live, not rightly judging the Lord's body. You know, having a low esteem and not judging the power of the body of Christ, the protection in the body of Christ. The Bible says the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. And so people, lot, if, people if you don't go to church on a regular basis, then you're deceived. People that don't go to church on a regular basis, I'm not saying everybody that's in church is not deceived. And, you know, but I am saying if you don't go to church on a regular basis, you are deceived. You have not realized the protection and the power of the body of Christ. The, protect, the body of Christ, there's such a protection that Paul, when, when some men in Corinth were in sin, a man in Corinth was in sin, in sexual sin, Paul said, I want you to put him out of the church for the destruction of his flesh. That insinuates to me that there was such a protection in the church that the enemy could not get to him and therefore he was being unrepentant because sometimes some people are supernaturally deceived and they don't get repentant until it starts to cost. And so he was protected. And so there's such a protection in the church. And so that's one thing that people get deceived about. Hebrews 10.25, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. It's not a suggestion, it's a command. And we have, we have, I, we have 75%, probably more, of the body of Christ is A-W-O-L. Absent without leave. If you think they're getting by with it, you're deceived. They're not. They're not. Hallelujah. And they are, they are, uh, they are just so many times open game for the devil. He can just pick them off. And so there's protection in the church. And sometimes we may come and we not, we're so used to it, we don't realize the anointing and the protection. We don't realize how every time we come, the Word of God infuses us and strengthens us and puts a, a bubble of protection around us. Hallelujah. We need to wake up to that. And then there's another kind of deception, and that's the deceptions that lead us out of the will of God. And uh, one of those would be like having a soul tie with somebody. You know, I've told you before that everybody that 68% of all divorces now are somebody found another uh, person on the internet that they'd rather be married to. Now that's deception and scary and 
stupidity gone to seed, if I can say it that way. I mean, you don't know anything about a person from the internet. They could be a serial killer. And actually, many times their pictures are not even right. And you know, they, I mean, it's like they have a picture up and that's not them. And they all, you know, it's always more handsome than they really are, too. You know, or more beautiful than they really are. Hallelujah. And so you can have that, but also just you can have a soul tie to someone. You can get so tied to someone, it doesn't even necessarily have to be a lover or a, someone of the opposite sex, but getting so tied to anyone on this earth that you live for them instead of God. You can have soul ties to your children. Oh, I tell you, I see so many messed up mothers. You know, oh my word, if you want to go online and go on TV and watch them, you could watch that toddlers and tiaras or just the advertisements of them. You could say, those women are sick to do that to their little girls. And so you can get all messed up with, you can, and you can get messed up. I've seen people have that kind of tie to their mother. And I'm all about mothers are good and all that. But listen, Jesus is Lord. And you can even have a soul tied to your husband that's not... You can be tied in a way to a husband or wife that's not healthy. Where you, uh, you know, especially when it comes over into alcoholism and stuff like that, they get all messed up and codependent and all sorts of stuff. And, uh, you know, so uh, that's a deception that leads us out of the will of God. Another deception that will lead us out of the will of God is the pursuit of money, making decisions based on money. I've seen this. I've seen people leave town to go to another job just to get bigger money, and I've seen their family literally fall down around them because they did. It is You better know you're led, led out because the transition of a new job and the new town and all that will put a lot of stress on a family anyway and on a marriage uh, lots of stress on a marriage and I've seen more than one go through a divorce they were good church people and they were but and you know I'm not saying everybody that leaves and moves is but that's not because I do believe God leads people to have bigger money and nicer jobs and 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 promotions but sometimes it's just not the right decision and they're doing it totally based on money and it ends up in a train wreck and so we need to submit our wills to God and say not my will but your will be done and truly be led by the spirit and uh, then of course the pursuit of pleasure will lead us out of the will of God how many Christians went and bought a boat and started to be gone from church every weekend to drive the boat on the lake and first thing you know they're not ever back with God that is deception I know there was a family in Seagraves where I grew up that they had their daughter was in my class and uh um, and, and at our graduation, uh, I think we were having a party at their house for graduation, and I don't remember all the details, and I didn't go because, and the only reason, I, maybe not the only reason, surely maybe I did have a conviction somewhere, but it wasn't like I have now, certainly, but I wanted to go be with Michael, and he was a grade ahead of me, so he wasn't going to a graduation party, so I'd rather had a date with him. So I went to the party for a little while, but I left. Well, all the kids in the class decided to go to the line, the state line, because that's where you could go get liquor, because we lived in a dry county, but we only lived a few, what, 40 miles, Seagrace, 40 miles from the state line. So they decided to go. So this family decided, this, this husband and wife decided they would go too. They made that decision, and, you know, it's kind of, well, they were trying to protect the 
chill students. But anyway, ended up being a big row in the church. And to this day, and I've been graduated this year, 40 years this year. I'm there some going to have my, I, is it 40? Are you, I'm 39, he's 40, yeah. We have hard to keep up with. He, he, they're going to have a big thing this year for his 40th anniversary from being out of high school. But anyway, to this day, never been back to church. Neither, three children, never been back to church. And they were Wednesday night, Sunday morning, Sunday night, every time the doors open, people. And so sometimes... Uh, just making a wrong decision so we certainly don't need to be deceived we need to make right decisions and and obviously we should never let somebody even if if we do something wrong if we mess up if somebody gets mad at us you know just hey there's churches all over town just go find another one and if you know we should never let somebody stop us like that from being in the will of God but here's one that leads to us out of the will of God wrong company Oh, wrong company will lead us so far out of the will of God. You know, sometimes we just don't judge well how powerful people are to influence us. We actually think that we can influence them. There's a big, huge church in America that there are... Now, this is what we hear from other pastors. And so I guess, so I don't have this written down in pen and ink from lawyers or anything but this is what we hear from good counsel of other pastors this humongous church in America is full of Muslims and they say they want the Muslims to come so they can convert them but the truth is they are the Muslims are influencing the Christians more than so we underestimate the power of family. The church has never been the evangelistic center. A lot of people think it is. But you will get off in church. Now we can have people come in and, and certainly we can give them an opportunity to get saved. But that is not the intention of the church. The church is, a, the, church is the body of Christ. It's the place where we come to fellowship, be strengthened, learn the word of God. Now we can go out and start evangelistic centers and have evangelistic meetings where we focus on that. But this is not the evangelistic center. You go win the loss, you bring them back in. Or we can have crusades to win the loss. But this is not, we're not supposed to, we're supposed to teach the word here. We're not supposed to, to try to win and influence people and make it seeker friendly and seeker sensitive so that somebody that doesn't know God might come in and hallelujah. But I, and I personally believe that doesn't work anyway. I believe that it's a low form of salvation, if salvation at all, that they may walk the aisle, but have they changed? Have they really, pastor says you're not born again until you're born again, until there's a life change till something's been changed on the inside and I personally believe that the stronger we are the better salvation experience they're going to have that, that it's the power of God the Bible says the Holy Ghost that draws you that it's the power of God that wins them it's not, it's not some watered down mealy mouth little sermon with smoke machines and, and uh, blaring music and you know Praise God. So we don't want that. We don't have it. You know, do we want to see people saved? Absolutely. 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 But I want to see the church strong. I want to see the church strong. There's two thoughts. One in the body of Christ. There's the, the people that want all they can focus on on winning the lost. That's all they focus on. That's one 
part of the church. Then there's another part of the church that focuses on what they call presence or the presence of God and getting in his presence and growing strong and maturing and knowing the word of God. I personally believe when it's all said and done that if you're strong, you'll win more accidentally than you will if you're just... Uh, and you don't, if you just don't know the presence of God, and you're, you so, so we pursue the presence side. We pursue the, uh, we go for the deeper things. Hallelujah. All right. I believe that deception can be traced to basically four things. I mean, there's probably variations on this, and there might be others. If you come up with some, I'm, but I came up with four things, I believe, by the Holy Ghost that we can trace deception to. When somebody gets deceived, usually it's because of, number one, being unteachable. That's one of them, no particular order here. People that are unteachable. You know, you can, you can love God and be totally unteachable. You can be saved and be unteachable. Religious spirits are unteachable. Uh, sometimes when we're out at a restaurant after Sunday lunch, we'll look around and it just kind of grieves our heart because we see people that, that they're unteachable. They think they have it all. They think they already know everything. They think they know enough. And it's kind of grieving. It is really grieving. Another side of being unteachable is my religion is the right one. You can get really closed down. If you're, my religion is the right one, it's the only truth. Sometimes you can tell those religions because they kind of have a, a, a theory of uh, everybody else is going to hell. You know, well, that's pretty shut down, wouldn't you say? To think that, uh, the, 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 and you know, some, you know, and. Some, some of that's out there, so that's being unteachable, and you get deceived when you're unteachable. Sometimes people get unteachable because of offense. They get offended, and they used to be teachable, and now they're unteachable, and they close their heart to the Word. You don't know how many times that I have seen this in the church, and Pastor has seen this, where people get offended, and all of a sudden they used to really receive the Word of God, and now they're sitting there like a stump or a doorknob, like laying hands on a doorknob, as Brother Hagin would say. And uh, you get, when you get offended, then, and this is, I've, everything the minister says seems like he's aiming at you. So it's very easy to want to get defensive. But the preacher, I mean, and sometimes we go, you know, I've had this sermon for six weeks, and I'm just now getting to it, but, you know... Uh, but some, but it's like, you wouldn't matter what they said, it's like they're talking to me and I'm mad and I'm offended and I'm not teachable and I'm not even going to listen and I'm not even going to be reasoned with right now because I'm offended. Numbers, the next one is unteachable because of fear. Some people are not teachable just because they're afraid. They're afraid of deception. They're afraid of having to change. Like I'm just not going to, I'm not listening because I don't want to have to change. Or afraid that they can't change. You know, people get unteachable because they're afraid they can't change. And God, but, you know, the good part is God never told us to change ourselves. We don't have to do the changing. We just have to submit to God. If we will just take the offense off and submit to God and say, Lord, change me and rearrange me, He'll do a really good job of it. If we just stay open, if we just stay with our heart tender, if we just admit we're wrong when we're wrong and submit to God, He'll change us. Hallelujah. The second 
thing I believe deception can be traced to is isolation. When somebody is a loner, and you know, some people kind of have that personality style of being a loner. Uh, or when someone, for some reason, becomes isolated, maybe they're not normally a loner, but for some reason the devil gets them off where they're isolated then it's real easy to get deceived when you get away from other Christians. Iron sharpens iron. And uh, when we get off away from the body and are alone, the devil can lie to our minds. And sometimes that's not really in the form of heresy. It could be, but sometimes just lying to us about who we are and, and you're just worthless, you're no good, nobody likes you, and that kind of stuff gets you off and just lies to you. And the, the body of Christ is, keeps us stable. So uh, sometimes isolationism can be in the form of, I only listen to one preacher. I don't listen to anybody. Boy, you know, you, you miss a lot of stuff when you're that way. I actually have some friends that won't listen to about, about two people. We actually have some friends that they listen to two people. We just keep plugging things in, though. But, and, and sure enough, they're not bearing fruit. They're not very productive people in the body of Christ, even though the people they listen to are good people. But we need, sometimes we need, uh, we need fresh, that's why Pastor and I like to have speakers in, not because uh, we, to correct us, but I, I, one of my friends said this. I thought this was cute. She said, uh, no matter how many groceries, good foods you have in your refrigerator, you still want to go out to eat every once in a while. And that's how the church is. You can have good food from the pulpit and still want to eat out every once in a while. So we like to have somebody in so we can eat out. Hallelujah. And, and learn something from a different slant or a different view. And I also like to expose the church to different anointings. Even sometimes anointings we could never have in the natural. Like, for instance, when we had Patricia King in glory school. That's probably not somebody that we could ever have in. Maybe we could, but at least not for right now. But that exposed us to a whole other part of the body of Christ and a different anointing. Amen? And so uh, sometimes we do that by DVD just so we can have something besides maybe what we would uh, normally be able to hear. And there's some people that are just experts in things that Pastor and I are not experts at, you know. And so we like to bring that to y'all as we can, as we can. Uh, number three thing that would lead to deception is lust. Hallelujah. Anything you're lusting after can cause you to, to be deceived about whether you're supposed to have it. I mean, you can miss God on a new car just because you, you went out and smelled it. You know, there's nothing like going and sitting in a new car and smelling it to say, yes. I did hear God, but sometimes we need to hear God, don't we? Amen. And so that's one way that lust can lead us off. And then lust can lead us off, of course, to finding a boyfriend or a girlfriend. Yep, somebody's ever heard of that. And then, um, you know, and of course lust, it can mess us up where food is concerned, couldn't it? We've all been messed up where food is concerned. At some point or another. I don't care how skinny you are, at some point, you know, you hadn't made the right choice. 
you know, James 4, 1, 7. So we're not going to lay, lay it all over on being overweight, are we? James 4, 1 through 7. From whence comes wars and fightings among you? Come they not hence even of your lusts that war in your members? Ye lust and have not, ye kill and desire to have, and cannot obtain. Ye fight and war, yet ye have not, because ye ask not. Ye ask and receive not, because ye ask amiss, that ye may consume it upon your lusts. Ye adulterers and adulteresses, know ye not that the friendship of the world is enmity with God. Whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. Do you think that the scripture saith in vain, The spirit that dwelleth in us lusteth the envy? But he giveth more grace. Wherefore he saith, God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace unto the humble. Submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. So we have here that lust all started with lust, but it led to wars, led to fightings, led to strife, and it led totally to missing God's plan. God's plan is asking you will receive. God's plan is not for us to kill somebody to get a pair of tennis shoes. That's lust. You know what I'm saying? The Bible says there's another way. There's God's way of doing things. And then there's the, there's the, the way that lust will lead you. And then uh, lust and envy and jealousy. Envy and jealousy are so bad. Envy and jealousy come out of a root of lust and uh, always lead to the wrong thing. Hallelujah. Under lust would include also going around authority. Lust caused Eve to go around her authority. You know, I don't know that it was lust for the taste of the apple so much as lust for the power that was promised. You'll be like God. But lust said she went around her authority. She, Adam was her authority. She should have gone to Adam with the problem. But she didn't. She acted apart from divine order. And getting out of divine order. Lust caused Esau. Remember Esau sold his birthright for a, a bowl of soup or pottage. I guess it was more like oatmeal than soup. Sold a birthright for oatmeal. That was a bad trade, wasn't it? And uh, so that is lust. And that gets us out of divine order. To give up our birthright. We want to stay in divine order. Uh, Hebrews 3. Let's go there. So lust can lead us off to being deceived. You know, I know Esau didn't think it through. He didn't realize what it was going to cost and how much it was going to cost and what all he was giving up. And even though God might have still used Jacob in a way to be the 12 tribes, certainly Esau would have had a divine order and a better blessing if he had stayed in, uh, uh, in divine order with as the and not giving up his birthright. Um, God honors it when we stay in divine order. That means women staying under their husbands, not going around your husband to do something. Hallelujah. If you're sneaking around, you're out of divine order. If you're keeping secrets, you got, you know, you ever hear this, got clothes hidden in the trunk of the car, that you bought packages hidden in the trunk of the car. And it's tempting. There's been times when pastor said, how much did that cost? And I thought, uh, about 40, you know. And, you know, it was forty nine ninety nine. you know. I mean, but I, I just had to get a hold of myself. 
I don't know why I would even do that. The devil will try to make you do things. He has never beat me once for spending any money. He doesn't even roll his eyes or get mad. He's never even yelled. So why would I have to say, why would I be? Because the devil just tempts us all. You know, if we don't feel good about ourselves, maybe we don't really feel like we should have bought it. You know, or it was uh, the fourth pair of shoes, you know, that are that same color. Did you ever do that? You know. Or, uh, but, and they're just so cute. Uh, Jennifer, you never did that, did you? <laughs> just because they were so cute, you never <laughs> had to have them, did you? I have, I have. Hallelujah. Just because it was so cute. Hallelujah. But anyway, we want to stay in that divine order. We just don't want anything. You know, the Lord, I, and I just am a stickler for this to stay completely away from any kind of deception. Like, for instance, I don't want to tell anybody, I don't want to try to deceive anybody in any way. Because there is a principle in the Word of God that a deceiver always becomes deceived. And it's if you sow, you reap. If you deceive others, then people, you'll reap that and multiples people will deceive you. So I really try to never give anybody a false impression even. It's better just to be truthful and take the, uh, take whatever. Or sometimes it's better to just say, you know, I, I really can't talk about that. If somebody else, you know, sometimes it's just people are wrong for asking. Especially where other people are involved or something. And sometimes, you know, it, it, it's just, uh, so I always try to be truthful as, and truthful and then, and then I might have to cut it off and say, you know, that's really all I can say. But I'm not going to lie to you because I, I, I fear. I have a fear of God that deception is lurking there trying to grab you. Um, <clears throat> Hebrews 3.13. Pastor and I are always honest with each other and always have been. Completely honest. We have no secrets whatsoever from each other. Even if it's bad, I tell him. And I've actually found that if the devil is putting thoughts in your mind that are not healthy or not uh, clean or anything, one good way to get rid of them is just go confess it to your husband, ladies. And just say, I don't know where this is coming from. This isn't coming from me. This is not my desire. I've never done anything to cause this kind of thought to come, but it's trying to come against me. That will back the devil so far away from you. He works in darkness. He works in secret. So, you know, get it out there. Get it out there. Hallelujah. Hebrews 3, that's all free. Hebrews 3, 13, But exhort one another daily while it's called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. For we are made partakers of Christ if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast unto the end. So uh, sin is deceiving and causes us to be hardened. Sin is deceiving. The more you sin, the harder your heart will get. We want to be very tender-hearted where the least little sin bothers us. If you weren't completely truthful, it just bothers you. You've got to go deal with it. If you didn't, uh, you know, 
And you know, you can just be real up front. You don't have to say, well, I'm just a liar. <laughs> you know, I, I, I just go say, you know, I don't know why I was tempted to lie. But I didn't tell you the complete whole truth about that. I said it was $40, but bless God, it was $49.99 plus tax. You know, and just be up there and, and up front about it and just say, you know, the Lord got on to me when I, we were first in the ministry about manipulating my husband. You know, he'd come in from work and I'd say, oh, I'm so tired. You know, trying to manipulate him to say, let's go out to eat. And the Lord got on to me and he said, if you want to go out to eat, just say, let's go out to eat and then live with the consequences. If he says no, well, then you just got to suck it up and go cook. Hallelujah. Or sometimes he might say, well, I'm not going out to eat, but I'll tell you what, I'll cook tonight. Now that is a deal. Amen. Hallelujah. So just being not, not using manipulation, not trying to get your way and get things done by another, you know, pouting is manipulation, uh, Crying can be manipulation. Hallelujah. I'm sorry, honey, every time I've... <laughs> I'm just kidding. Hallelujah. I'm sure I did that, especially in the younger days. Hallelujah. Uh, so sin can harden, harden us. People's hearts can get hardened by sin towards their spouse and their family. One of the things I've noticed about... I've, I've watched this in the church for years is that when people get into adultery or sexual sin... All of a sudden, their hearts hardened even towards their children. It's like, or their grandchildren. It's like they act. They have this little bit of a don't care. They don't care like would be normal to care. You know, and and they can eat. They, and they'll they'll do things. They'll do things that you go. Well, that is really hurting your family. Well, you know, they don't even. They're hardened to it. Uh, adultery takes away natural affection. It does. Um, pride is the fourth thing deception can be traced to, which I'm sure we're not surprised. Matthew 24, 4. And Jesus answered and said unto them, Take heed that no man deceive you. For many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and shall deceive many. Hallelujah. Pride, when people begin to think they're anointed above others, they just have entered into deception. The most anointed preacher or the most anointed whatever could be, well, I'm the most anointed Sunday school teacher in this church. Well, you have already gotten over there into pride and now you're getting deceived. Hallelujah. And so... Uh, and then pride also causing us, in 1 John 1, 8, remember it says, uh, if, well, it says if you say you've not sinned. Y'all remember that scripture? 1 John 1, 8 says, if we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. That would be a result of pride, saying I don't have any sin. I've actually heard people say this. That I heard one man say this, is, uh, I'm never wrong. One time I thought I was wrong, and then I found out I wasn't wrong. <laughs> <Ooh>. <laughs> I 
I heard that with my own ears. Okay. Um, thinking you're too smart. People get deceived when they think they're too smart. We have a, a lot of people that are very, very educated in America that are have become totally deceived in the colleges and universities of America, especially like in Ivy League schools and stuff. It is just rampant deception because people are so smart and think they're so smart. Bill Johnson said those that think they, their intellect will keep them from deception are already deceived. So, um, Lord, deliver America. There is a counterfeit to every Holy Spirit-inspired experience. So we should not be afraid of having a Holy Spirit experience because of deception. Sometimes the devil try to shut us out from the things of God by saying, oh, you know, and, and, we, and most Christians are really afraid of the new age and being deceived, but most of the things that, that's a rare thing, I would say that. Most of the world is deceived into not believing instead of deceived into believing too far. Remember in 2 Corinthians 4.4, 4, it says the devil has blinded the minds of those that do not believe. So we don't ever want to get deceived into not believing. And we can take our time and research the scriptures. And, and you know, uh, I just would tell you the best place to get deceived in this world is the internet. You know, go check the internet to see if tongues are real and you're going to miss God a million miles. Go check the internet to see if Kenneth Hagin was a good minister and you're going to miss God a million miles. Or any other minister. They don't like any of them. You can't find one they like. They don't like Joyce Meyer. They don't like... They, they trash her. They don't like any of them. They don't like Bill Johnson. She, he's a heretic. They don't like Patricia King, Kenneth Hagin, Kenneth Copeland. Just go down the list. Basically, I figured out if they're spiritual at all, that tells you how antichrist it is. Because if they're spiritual at all and preach the word at all, they just hate them. You know, that is such an antichrist spirit. Four things the Lord will end with this. We're going to finish tonight. Four things the Word of God says not to be deceived about. First, we may have read some of these scriptures in our reading. I'm not sure. First Corinthians 6, 9 through 11. Four things the Word specifically says not to be deceived about. First Corinthians 6, 9. Did I think I said that opposite of that? Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? <laughs> well, be not deceived. <laughs> That's never happened before, has it? Woo, Jesus. Like that advertisement on TV where those people are about to buy that house and that plane goes right over the top of it. <laughs> Uh, be not deceived. Uh, okay, verse 9. Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. So he tells us not to be deceived about sin. You cannot inherit the kingdom of God. 
You are not going to have the kingdom of God on this earth and be one of these. I personally do not believe that this means that there will ne that if you ever commit fornication after you're born again, you're going to hell. I don't believe that. I believe that once you're saved, you're saved and your spirit is sealed. And your spirit does not sin. I do believe you will not be able to manifest the blessings of the kingdom of God on this earth if you are a fornicator, an idolater, and that could encompass a lot of things, idolatry, an adulterer, effeminate, that'd be homosexuals, abusers of themselves with mankind, thieves, covetous, see, covetous, just being covetous, if we take it literally in the sense of it sends you to hell, and we know if you're born again, your spirit's sealed. Nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. So don't be deceived about sin. It is bad. Hallelujah. 1 Corinthians 15.33, another thing it says not to be deceived about. Be not deceived. Evil communications corrupt good manners. Oh, I don't. I wish parents. You, parents should have that imprinted on their foreheads from the time their kids start to. They care. How many parents have compromised and let their kids hang out with somebody, and then wondered why? You know, kid. Listen, folks. I don't care how saved your child is and how baptized in the Holy Ghost they are, kids are weak. A lot of adults are weak too, but kids are weak. They are easily influenced. They are, you know, it is important to fit in, be popular, and you've got to help them because evil companions or evil communications corrupt good manners. The, in it, the New Living Translation says bad company corrupts good character. Bad company, and you know what? It's it's horrible for a, pa a a family to raise their children in church and diligently be diligent over them, and then let them get up to a certain age and let them hang out with some people that are wrong. It is not easy to parent. It's not easy to say no, but we have to sometimes. And you know, and we're the meanest mama in the whole school, and. I was, I was, Colin, and they went to Christian school, except uh, we closed our Christian school. The Lord told us to, and the reason he told us to is because we was moving to Alabama. We didn't know it. So then Colin's senior year, he had already taken every class that you needed to graduate. He already had plenty of credits. He already had a, the highest score in Seminole High School on the SAT and ACT. He's a really smart cookie. Uh, and, and, uh, and, uh, so, but we, he was 17 years old was the only problem. So, you know, through prayer, we let him go to Seminole High School. And uh, uh, what was I going to say about him? <laughs> no, that wasn't what I was going to say. It'll come to me. Anyway, um, oh, yeah, in one year, he was only there one year. And in one year, I got the reputation of being the meanest mama in the whole high school. It didn't take me long to get the mean reputation. And, uh, you know, and even then, I didn't win every battle I wanted to win. 
Because I'm telling you, there was a lot of pulling in a lot of directions. And it, it was a war in the spirit his entire senior year. It was. I don't even recommend it. Hallelujah. It's like, praise God. If the Lord told me that, I probably said, I don't think I'm going to have any kids. <laughs> no. It was tough. Hallelujah. Now, Eric, he's a different whole sort of kid, and it was like it was a breeze. But Colin was an easily influenced kind of kid, and hallelujah. So, thank you, Jesus. Bad company corrupts good character. Galatians 6, 7. Another thing we're not to be deceived about. Be not deceived, God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. God tells us not to be deceived about sowing and reaping. That would be on the good side. We're not to be deceived. We're not to let the devil talk us out of our blessing, for one thing. But also on the bad side of sowing and reaping. Some people just think about the good side and they never think about the bad things they sow. pastor's been talking to us about digging up our seed that's not good. We need to be in the, when you get in the presence of the Holy Ghost every day, He's going to convict you of sin. I, can, I proved that. You're going to see things you never remembered from high school that you did and things you said. And God, you know when He shows you that, it's not to condemn you. It's like dig this seed up. Dig this seed up. Repent. Dig this up. You know, one reason for digging it up is that pass down to the generations thing too. I don't, I'm presuming that there's some things you did you'd rather not pass down. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. Sometimes I have asked the Lord and said, I have told the Lord, I didn't sow that. You know, the devil sometimes tries to come in and plant stuff in your family you didn't sow. And you got to stop that too. I mean, he'll, start, he'll try to start a whole nother generation of sin if he can. You know what I'm saying? Because I tell you what, if my daddy said hop, I said how far? I still do. I'm pretty scared of him. No, no I mean, he, 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 you know, I knew. I did not rebel. It didn't cross my mind. I really, I guess I don't know what I, and, and yet it was not an unloving atmosphere. It was not. I cannot describe to you how he had his bluff in on me, but he did. Hallelujah. Luke 21, 8. So, um, thank you, Jesus. I tell you what, curses will skip generations too. You didn't do it, but your parents did. You better start digging up some stuff in the Spirit and in prayer and saying, my sons will not do that. My sons will not do that. My daughters will not do that. Because it, it'll, you know, it'll skip. And another thing that tries to skip generations is the call of God. It'll try to skip. It's not supposed to skip a generation, the call of God on your, on your kid's life. If anything, it's supposed to increase. The call of God and the anointing of God on your children's life should be greater than your call. And I tell you, it skipped a generation in our family from, my, from grandparents and stuff. 
And, uh, and then there's families like Michael's. There's no record of there ever being a spiritual, any minister or anything. And God wants to get it started in every generation, in every family. And so don't let it skip. Luke 21, 8. This is the, I think we read this while ago, didn't we? It seems like it. We didn't? Okay. It says, and uh, he said, Take heed that ye be not deceived, for many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and the, and the time draweth near, go ye not therefore after them. Anybody that says I'm Christ or I'm Messiah or anybody else that says, I tell you what, run the other way, don't follow them. Now Christ, you know, especially if they say I am the Christ. You know, Christ means anointed. And so, you know, but I, I, like, I don't like people saying I, I... I know sometimes we have to say prophet and all that and bishop and all that. But my opinion is, and Brother Hagin taught us this, and I think this is always best, is if you is, you is, and you don't have to tell anybody, it'll show up. And if you're having to tell somebody, there's been time we get people come in here and visit all the time. All the time we get visitor cards all the time that say Reverend this and Evangelist this and Prophet this. And I go, if you are a prophet, I can tell by looking at you if you're a prophet, then I am an astronaut. Don't elder, I don't like it. Hallelujah. You don't need the title. Just walk the walk and do the doing it. Hallelujah. Praise God. Hallelujah. And of course, I don't know why there's an exception to the pastor, but we do say pastor. But uh, we, we shouldn't be walking around saying, Oh, I'm the prophet of God. Every time I've ever seen it happen, they got in trouble. You know, just if you are the prophet of God, people will know it. Other people might say it about you. But you don't have to. If you start saying it about yourself and we're going to put a sign on the building for this is your parking place. Oh, I'm the, hallelujah. Oh, you know, uh, let's, we need to grow up in the church. Hallelujah. Listen. Well, anyway. That is, there, there is a deception in that. There is a deception in that. And sometimes it's more of an innocent deception. Sometimes it's a full-blown big deception. But there is a deception in that. When we try to make ourselves somebody by taking a title. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Well, we finished our series on deception. Hallelujah. And we've already prayed tonight, but if anybody needs prayer, if you'd like to be prayed for tonight, we'll come on up here and we'll pray.